welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm absolutely pumped to be chatting with today's guest. He's a professional motocross rider here in Australia. He's the reigning MX1 champion. He's racing in the Australian Off-Road Championship this year, as well as if MX1 wasn't enough. He is racing under the Husqvarna factory team here in Australia. He's a professional athlete with tons of experience, tons of knowledge, and I'm absolutely pumped to be sitting down with him just to to chat about the, the mental side of racing professional motocross, the physical side, maybe some life outside of racing. He's nutrition supplementation and loads more so i hope you enjoy today's episode guys if you do enjoy the show please do take a screenshot of this episode on your phone post it up on your instagram story for me tag myself tag todd i'll have the link to his instagram in the show notes below but now let's get stuck into the interview todd welcome to the show man yeah hey dan um stoked to be jumping on your podcast um obviously a buddy of mine who's uh who's my trainer mentioned you um, do a really cool podcast in Melbourne, um, Victorian based. So I'm currently from Queensland, so it's uh, super cool to to jump on and and to get to know you guys. Hundred percent, man. Look, uh, and this is something that probably Jared doesn't even know. I've uh, I've always been a big fan of of motocross, and um, I've been I've been watching watching you for for years and and keeping up with how you've been going, and have always enjoyed watching the motocross both here and over in the state so i was super pumped to to get you on today i haven't really had um haven't really had too many too many guys on the um on on the show that have been motocross riders so it's been it'd be cool to to jump into the chat man yeah that's that's super cool um i'm interested to see what you guys are all about um obviously i've got a lot to do with jar and um that side of you know training and yeah and what goes into that so um yeah i'm keen to sort of have a chat both ways Awesome, mate. Well, let's uh, let's let's give the listeners a bit of an idea of um, what you're about and, and where you've kind of started off and where you're currently at today. I mean, there's lots to dive into. Super pumped to be chatting about. Obviously, something you're doing this season, which is, as we touched on before, I hit record something that no one's ever really done before, which is awesome. But for starters, mate, how uh, how did your whole journey in motocross start? Did it start at a super young age, like a lot of other riders do? And and what was the process to get to to where you are currently racing today? Yeah, so everyone's got their own little story and, and mine's um, began up in Atherton. It's a little town, country town up from Cairns in far yep. north Queensland. Just simply riding bikes around the farm. I'm a farm sort of kid and um, riding in the hills and mum and dad took me racing at uh, five years old was my first race and awesome. it was just some fun and and then uh, that just continued on and I, I started winning up home and we just went for a trip one day down to Adelaide to see the family. Um, and I raced the junior Aussie titles and I ended up winning it. So that was, yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, I qualified fifth, so we were hoping for a top 10 and, and, uh, I just ended up winning, which was <laughs> kind of crazy. And that was my first Aussie title at 12 years old. Unreal. And then that, from that time on, I just, I felt, man, I'm meant to win. Like that's, that's just how simple it can be as a kid. Um, I went from, my best ever result was a fifth place in a Queensland title to then winning a national championship and then just going, oh, Aussie titles in a row. Um, KDM picked me up when I was 14 
um, on their factory program. And then yep. I went into the senior program. Um, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, the teachers, school wasn't really for me. Um, yep. I just wanted to work. I just wanted to make money. Um, so I did a school-based apprenticeship and yep. started making money at year nine. And the teachers were always giving me a hard time and about racing and stuff. And I was like, well, I've been professional since I was 16. Um, and, you know, when the teachers sort of give you a hard time, you're like, well, I'm on a similar wage as you. And um, <laughs> I'm in your classroom here. And I work as well as a, as a tradesman. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, it was kind of funny like that. And then it just progressed. I, I moved away from home, which was 20 hours down to Sunny Coast at the age of 18. Um, yeah, it just started. That's when I started training with Jarrah. Yep. So um, we built our relationship around there and it just, it progressed. Um, from there, I ended up landing myself in Europe at 21. Um, and yeah, raced over there for three years, come back here. And then, yeah, long story short, it's uh the world championship stuff sort of gone for me that's you know it's a uh, 19 rounds around the world and yeah it's a a lot on the body and and everything and i just i love where we live i've landed myself in burley heads we go surfing most mornings we walk across the beach yeah um you know racing dirt bikes here is what you imagine a pro athlete to be like it's um it is it's enjoyable Start a world championship. yeah world championship it's it's a slog like it's yeah. most of your times on aeroplane training mm. there's a lot of um, media commitments it's uh it's just a different life but stoked that i got to live that um now i've got another chapter we've got a two-week-old baby girl now um little macy and so we uh we right now we've got a camper um we've traveled down to melbourne we raced on the weekend first yep. motocross national and then we've got uh something interesting that I've thrown myself in the deep end. I'm racing both championships. So yeah, normally, yeah. normally for myself, it's always just been a motocross thing. So yeah, that's epic. Yeah. We'll definitely touch on that um, in our chat today. So going back, Ben, you said you got, you kind of signed on with KDM at 14 um, professional since 16. Was there yeah. a moment where, where it went from being, you know, in your head or in your mind, just, loving racing and enjoying it. And I'm assuming you still do now, but kind of seeing it as a hobby to a bit of a light bulb moment where you realize that you are a professional athlete. You need to start taking your physicality seriously, maybe your nutrition a bit more serious and, and probably understood that what happens off the bike is almost as important, if not more important than what happens on it. Yeah. Well, unfortunately um, I'm super eager and that's uh, like, got some funny stories that i've had to do with jara um you know he was looking after all my nutrition um yep. supplements everything and uh we had a dietitian come in and they were just you know with the team and they're like you know it's good to eat things like sultanas and you know snack on on nuts and blah blah so i was like oh yeah sweet so i planned to go training with jara we met at the track so yep. i got like a kilo of sultanas <laughs> and i'm just eating them on the way out you know these are really healthy like the dietitian said so being mindful that i'm 18 <laughs> i turn up and i'm out there riding and i said to jared man my guts is so sore like it feels like i got concrete in there and we couldn't really work it out and then he spotted in the front seat of the car this big bag of sultanas and uh 
And he's like, how many of these have you eaten? I was like, oh, it was full at the start. And he's like, man, you can't do that. <laughs> like, everything's in moderation. And, and I was like that. If Jarrah said to do, you know, a 30-minute run, I'd be doing an hour run. Like, yeah. it was okay. just my mentality. Sound very similar to me. Yeah, just kind of going 100% at whatever you do. In terms of the physical side of things, what age did you start getting into the, the strength training? I think you mentioned you met Jarrah at around 20 or 21. Is that, is that the first time you kind of stepped into the gym and started doing some, some strength and resistance work or had you started previous to that? Yeah, so I had a cycle coach um, when I was 16. Yeah. So I did a lot of cycling and we did gym once a week. Yep. And that was sort of my introduction into being a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to train before and after work and yeah. um, that sort of introduced me. And then, but it was a, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to train. And then when I come on board with Jara, um, that was at the age of 18. Yeah. And so I was coming down to Melbourne and, and Jara just kept being like, no, no, no. Like you don't need to do so much. Like, and he was trying to hold me back. And then I've realized, you know, later on, I realized that that's what a coach is. Yeah. A coach is someone who tells you when to train and when not to train. And they, if you've got a good athlete, you're just holding them back all the time like a racehorse. And that's yeah. exactly what that. Jarrah was for me. Yeah, about that periodization and quality over quantity yeah. and, um, and making sure you're 100% on race day or during the season and not trying to be 100% seven days a week. Um, yeah, sixty-five days a year. Yeah. So, um, so with the strength training side of things, how much of a difference do you think that made um, for you on the bike? And you know, because this is funny. Like I, as I said, I'm a pretty big fan of motocross and supercross and everything, and um, I, I watch it quite often, particularly the AMA stuff. And I'll talk to people about how how physical uh the racing years and and how how hard the the riders and and you guys are working um throughout the race and in training and stuff and for a lot of people they'll just look at the race and go oh fuck they're literally just sitting on a motorbike and kind of around how how physically hard could it be but can you give the listeners a bit of an idea of of actually how physical it is um when you are on the bike during, during race day in regards to things like heart rate um maybe even doms you know certain muscle groups that are that are working super hard when you're on the bike um, that if you're not conditioned can kind of start to cause problems? Yeah, so it's um, there's a few examples that I can sort of share. I, I had the op- opportunity, I was a Red Bull athlete, so when I was in Europe, I spent a lot of time in Austria where the head of Red Bull is, yep. and they got a training diagnostic center there um, where the athletes would go and we'd get tested, and then we'd have a coach there and physios and sports psychs, and, oh. and they'd uh, have full programs for us. So um i'd go there and i'd do a week block of testing and that would involve obviously um monitoring the body so they'd take all your ck levels all that sort of stuff and then we'd go day one we'd do a lactate threshold test on the rowing machine yep day two would be on the running machine day three would be um, on the cycle bike and then a day off and then day four would be um a strength test so max testing with the lactic, yeah, lactic yep. acid um so I, i'd asked those guys and i'm like oh so why are we doing all three and they said because a motocross ride is the most physically uh demanding sport that we test for um they said you know like a runner they just do the running test they're like a cyclist just does a cycle test hmm. said but you guys hold a really high heart rate for a long time and 
you just need to be strong. You're, you're muscling around a 110 kilo motorcycle. Yeah. Um, it has a lot of core. So that's just from a testing side of things. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, because lots of people, you know, oh, you just screw a throttle, mate. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, it just seems funny that I don't have to train. And I, like, last year I went and did a, a 50 kilometer cross country uh, trail run, run and race, you know. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Took us eight hours. And, but most people can't just go off the couch and do that sort of stuff. Exactly right. Because of the, you know, the different sorts of training that we do. Um, so from that side, that's, that's sort of a testing point of view from like, you know, the highest in the world. Then we go, um, for me personally, um, I'm like, you put a heart rate monitor on me and, and I'm holding an average of 170 beats per minute for 30 minutes, 35 minutes in our race. Really? Um, yeah. So really high heart rate. You got to hold it for a long time. Yeah. And when you see us do, you know, VO2 max tests or, um, you know, max rowing tests or stuff, most motocross riders can hold the high heart rate for a really long time because yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what we do. Um, but at the same time, we've got, you know, five kilo motorbike boots on, big heavy helmet on, uh, uh, 450 with 60 horsepower under us that weighs 110 kilos trying to buck us off. Um, so we're forever, you know, up and down, sitting up and down, up and down. So I think the, the other side of it that people probably don't take into account is the, is the focus side of things. Like, I mean, it's not only yeah. the physical side, you're also having to be switched on the whole time. Like one small mistake can be catastrophic to not only the race, but your life. <laughs> Physic- like yeah, to you. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. I always say, <laughs> you know, swimmers, you just jump in the pool and you just go as hard as you can until you could pass out if you want. And same with cycling. I've had it where I've vomited and, you know, there's no problem. There's no consequence. Mm. But for us, um, you know, you got to jump a hundred foot triple for 30 laps in a row. You know, when your body, when you're pushing your body and you can't hang on and, you know, yeah. you've got 50 horsepower and you start getting whiskey, well, it gets very dangerous. Mm. So like you say, the body needs to be fit, but the mind is, that's massive. Like I've had a lot of times where I just get mentally fatigued yeah. where I just can't focus properly anymore. And it's, um, that's something that's, it only comes from training on the bike. Like you, okay. we ride the bike four days a week. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, we have different blocks of like, I've just done a preseason block, you know, gym three times a week, um, motorbike four times a week, cycling three times a week, running once a week. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of, uh, stretching. I do a lot of stretching. So I do I yoga once a week and then stretching. Yeah. So it's really important to be, I find that, um, being nice and loose, like the stretching helps with my recovery. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the, the programs that we sort of put under and, and don't get me wrong, motocross 20 or 30 years ago was eating meat pies, having a beer, you know, they're probably smoking cigarettes. Like, yeah. you know, it was, but they all did that. And then it took a dude to go, Hey, you actually win in quite big money, like in any sport. It's, you know, you can make a good living. Yeah. I'm going to win every single race. So I'm going to take it seriously. And that's progressed to guys hiring trainers, to dietitians, to, you know, it's become progressively a really professional sport. Um, 
and that passes down from the athletes. Yeah, I uh, I spoke with Andre Heimgartner the other week, um, V8 racer on on the mm. show, and it was interesting even just to hear with that side of things with the supercars. Like even to this day, he said like there's a lot of a lot of drivers in the field that are just not live wouldn't particularly live their life as such as a professional athlete. Whereas the ones that are doing well and are in the top five, top ten every week are doing all the extra shit. They're, they're behind the trainer. They're doing the physio, the myotherapy, the mobility, the, the extra work um, out of yeah. the car and stuff. And it's very similar with the bike. One thing I found quite funny with the V8s is how like how little time they get to spend in the actual car. Um, you know, throughout the off-season, I would imagine you guys are on the bike a shitload, doing plenty of work yeah. um, physically, but also out on the bike and, and riding and stuff like that. And you touched on, you know, with the mental side of things, um, I wouldn't mind kind of touching on like diving into that a little bit. Are, are you, uh, do you do much in regards to mindfulness with any types of meditation or do you have any kind of uh, morning routines or anything like that you, that you do on a daily basis, but also maybe a pre-race ritual to get yourself in the right headspace? Yeah. So that's an interesting question because when I was at Red Bull, that was something that the sports psych picked up on is, is they hook you up, put all these things on your brain to monitor brain um, waves and all this kind of stuff and and I, I can't sit still like I just I'm moving all the time so what they got me doing was meditation so yep. every time I was on the airplane I had a little device that you hook on your ear and you just plug it in your phone and it yep. just works on your coherence which is your breathing right. and your brain waves and your heart rate and you just try and relax your body but stay focused so it's a state of mind where you're really focused, but your body's relaxed. And that's something that I really worked on. Um, so that's that mindfulness that, you, that you're speaking about. Because yeah. as an athlete, we train all the time. And if I'm wired all the time, sitting at the airport or stuff like that, it doesn't give my body a chance to relax. Burn um, out super quickly. Yeah. And that dives into a little bit of caffeine as well. Um, like I started going with decaf. Like I love coffees. And yep. I started to do that and I just found my energy levels just started to go through the roof. Okay. So in times like at an airport, if I've got a two hour layover um, and I'm just sitting at the airport drinking coffees, when I should be relaxing, my body's revving, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's something that I really found positive for me was using caffeine to perform, um, not just as an not everyday thing. Yeah. So, and it's easy. You go to a, I was going, you know, to the cafe and, and getting a coffee in the morning, go to the airport, get a coffee. And, and you don't realize all of a sudden you've had three or four coffees just cruising around for a day off. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I started to, I love coffee. So I drink decaf. I can't tell the difference. Yeah. And I started to just find I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have so much energy. I'd jump out of bed opposed to, I read an article um, where they say like you, you're having caffeine and then you actually start to decrease um, because of, of you know, your body's not recovering. Yeah. So I found uh, in the mornings I was waking up and I was saying to my fiance, Jill, Man, I feel like I've got chronic fatigue. <laughs> like I just yeah. dragging myself like out. Being asleep. Yeah. So um, that made a big difference. And, and like I said, I, I really enjoy doing the stretching and I do yoga once a week and that's, Yoga is almost like that mindfulness, you know, the, yep. the really being grounded and um, feeling that relaxed state of mind. 
And I would imagine yeah. as well, like you said before, you know, averaging 170 um, beats per minute on the uh, on race day throughout a 30 minute moto. If you're yeah. also if your heart rate's also up way up above 170 when you g'd up before a race and you're you're kind yeah. of overexerting energy before you've even um, left the gate, that can't be good for for um, you know maintaining that energy level throughout the race as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And a massive thing, I actually did a podcast with Coach Rob. He's a top trainer in America. Yep. And um, we touched on a few things. And I ended, I started talking to him and become really friendly with him. And he's big on sleep and yep. monitoring his sleep with his Garmin watch. And um, so I started to do that and really focusing on your deep sleep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your eight hours a day, uh, night, sorry. But then trying to get your deep sleep um, yep. to increase and that's to me near impossible because you sleep and you can't control it um but then <laughs> have you supplemented you know, with anything like have you tried things like um you know such as maybe like a lion's mane or something like a mushroom extract before you sleep or things like that have you used anything along those lines or even just magnesium oil or anything yeah well funny you say that because then he started to talk about diet and he said you know he started having these athletes in america they're all about no sugar you know and he started okay. to get them to to have a you know a bit of ice cream before bed and he said because the reason why you wake up is because your body's you know starving yeah like, so he said that uh the dairy and the ice cream sort of keeps you full and satisfied so i started i just have like a little bit of ice cream at night um he also said walnuts and he was really big on your natural fats like your avocados and yeah. stuff like that yeah okay. and bit of diet change um also i was listening to a mindful app so just about your breathing and stuff before you go to bed mm-hmm. and i found like if i went to bed jarrah was really on to me about um blue light so yeah. you know i always put my phone in airplane mode and and try and and do that and i find that it increases my deep sleep but super hard thing to do but when i do get my deep sleep man you feel good the next day yeah like, you uh have you, do you use like the blue light blocking glasses and stuff like that? No, I don't. Yeah, sweet. I mean, these just look like a shit pair of glasses, but um, they're literally just like, so I, these, you can, there's so many different oh, yeah. companies that do them. I'll, I'll text you a link to the company that I got these from, but they, I chuck these on when I remember anyway, at nighttime, yeah. if I am using my screen stuff, I put these on for kind of one to two hours before I jump in bed. You know, if yep. I'm using my phone, laptop, TV or whatever, um, it's meant to help block the blue light. So once you get into bed, you've that um, that part of your brain has been switched off already for an hour or two before you jump in because it yep. does make such a significant difference. I've had um, the founder of um, the Swanwick Glasses, uh, the Swannies, who, who they're one of the first companies to make these. He jumped on the show um, a year or two ago. And just yeah. the, the facts that he was telling me about how much it impacts your sleep and the deep sleep in particular was crazy. So, yeah, whenever I remember now, I chuck these on um, and it makes a big difference. I'll, I'll text you a link after this and give them a try. Yeah, that'd be awesome because I'm yeah. always trying to chase because I know how much of a difference it makes. But yeah. it's, man, you're asleep. It's really hard to try and increase that. Like I'm so used to just numbers and doing it. Like, yeah. 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 you know, being mindful of what's going on. Yeah. Whereas this is something that essentially, you know, you can control it leading up, yeah. Yeah. but you go to sleep and <laughs> you yeah. wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I only got bloody an hour that night. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For 40 minutes. <laughs> and uh, touch just uh, before we move on from the mindset side of stuff, um, have you had any kind of major, major stacks or major injuries where you've struggled mentally coming back onto the bike, particularly maybe on race day or, or whether it was on like a, a triple or whatever it may be that where you come up to that in the next time you're on the bike and you kind of have that second guess or the, the fear um, of doing it again? Has that affected you at all? You've been pretty good with that. I just jump back on and straight back into it. Um, no, it's, that's probably in our sport, one of the most difficult <laughs> things. Um, really good question with that because I had three years of injury in a row yeah. and I become just like, like, when's it going to happen again? I'd go riding and I was just frightened. Like, Oh, it could be today. Like it's, you know, you become a bit worried about it because you got so much pressure from teams because we're much like the V8s where we've got, you know, I signed for a team, um, whether it's KDM Husky, you know, whoever it is, it's big semi-trailers, mechanics, managers, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot of money and pressure and, and then you injure yourself and then you phone them up and be like, Hey man, um, I've just broke my leg. Like, you know, everything that you've planned for this year with me, we're done. (laughs) you know, you're out for 13 weeks. Yeah. Like, so yeah. very hard phone call to make when you're, you know, I've been 20, 21 around those, that sort of era injured. And that was something that Jarrah, he got onto me about going to a sports psych. And I seen a really high up there sports psych in the Gold Coast. And he was on to me and onto me about it. And I was like, I'm not going there. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I had nothing, no idea about that kind of stuff at that age, and yeah, it turned out to be, yeah, turned out to be the best thing in the world for me. Um, just going there and sitting down with a guy that he works with Olympic athletes and high up there knows nothing about dirt bikes. Yeah, he asks me some questions, and I just was like, "Man, I'm worried." And he's like, "Why? You've just told me you've been riding since you're five. Like, yeah. why would you be scared? You ride yeah. four times a week, like achieved all this stuff." And I went, "Yeah." Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, and he, he sort of taught me about, um, you know, you can only control what you can control. He's like, but I was so focused on the uncontrollable things, mm-hmm. you know, like hurt myself. Like, I can't control that. So that was something that really helped me focus on um, the things that I can do, like talking about the deep sleep, talking about stretching, talking about diet, training, yeah. you know, all this sort of stuff to prepare yourself the best so you don't hurt yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that's a, a good one. You touched on um, something. You know, I think the, the quote I initially got it from was from Tony Robbins, like, you know, focusing only on what you can control because the rest of it is literally just a waste of time and energy. It's the more you focus on yeah. what you can't control, it's, it's not going to change it. Um, yeah. You're, you're at the moment, you're, I mean, you're arguably, arguably kind of, 
in in the peak of your career so far the current you know the reigning mx1 champion you're you're as we're going to touch on soon racing in the off-road championship this year as well and i believe you spent a bit of time you did a few rounds in the ama for the yeah moment. so how was that experience did, yeah it was not too bad um like i said we look over to the ama um and that's sort of everyone's dream to get there and and it's big and exciting um Obviously, like racing, I went to Europe way and raced the World Championship. Yeah. And when I went and raced the AMA, I was kind of like the motocross isn't, you know, it's big over there, but supercross is everything for them. Real sharp. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's so the motocross, it wasn't as big as the World Championship. Like, World Championship right. is, you know, from the trucks to, to riding. When you ride up, you park under this big two story, you know, starting grid where your friends and family can go up on top and cool. watch down at the start line. And then when you come around to your pit board area, it's actually, it's two story um, in each person's pit box is like a TV screen with telling lap times. And, Unreal. Um, like, you know, the, you're coming, that's in the GP. That's in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so in Europe, you're riding down pit lane and you're trying to look like there's banners and every, it's two stories and you're trying to see your dude holding the pit board out <laughs> to tell you signals. And it's, yeah. It's the real deal. Um, opposed to in America, it's it's much like Australia where you ride up and there's a dude under the quick shade, puts your name off and then you go down the start line. Yeah. Um, you know, they Americans televise things really well. They make a show out of things, they make it look big and exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. But world championship is world championship. Like it's yeah, it's a big deal. So um, you know, there was a lot of the Americans prep tracks really good. Um, I really enjoyed that side of it. Really easy um, away from the track. You know, everyone speaks English. Um, yeah. Everything's big. Everything's really easy to get a hold of. Opposed to racing in Europe where I've been in, in little places in Italy where I'm just trying to buy like a, a Bunsen burner, like something yeah. to heat up some food. No one speaks English. Um, so the culture, but I really enjoyed that in Europe. So it's... Um, I uh, I had Jed Beaton on the show. Uh, man, we we spoke. I mean, it must have been a couple of years ago now, and, and he was saying yeah. similar similar thing, like just the the challenges half the time. Um, you know, aside from the fact that you you're racing at such a high level, it's everything else as well. It's like yeah, once you get off the track, you'd, you'd expect or hope that that'd be the the easier and relaxed part. But he said it's fucking just <laughs> hard, it's not worth. <laughs> yeah, just crazy things like we raced in Brazil and. We're about to fly out, and then there's only Jill's um, one of Jill's family members from the UK said, "Oh, if you're going to Brazil, you've got to make sure that you've got the yellow fever vaccination." <laughs> and um, you know, we we're like, "What? Like just things popping up all the time. Can't yeah. get in the country unless you've had yellow fever jab, yeah. and just constant trying to get a a visa, trying to get a car. Like, a hoops but." It was really exciting. Like it, yeah. it made me grow up really fast. Because um, I just went over as a twenty-one-year-old kid with two OGO gear bags. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> it was yeah, really out there for me. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Like the going to places and seeing the old churches and yeah. like it's really cool. Whereas that's something in America. You know, I strive for that now. And when I went to America, I was like, oh almost feels like we're at home kind of thing and same you know we go to new zealand it's beautiful but yeah. i want to go to japan i want to go to the place of culture and yeah it's it's exciting 
What was the uh, experience like and, and the feeling, I guess, of accomplishment of, um, of winning your first title here? Um, and how does it feel now, obviously, into this season as the reigning champ? Uh, last year, bit of a fuck up for everyone, basically worldwide. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, what's that like? Yeah, it's um, the feeling was it was insane. Like it's something that you work towards forever. Yeah. And at the time, you sort of it's really hard because I'm 30 years old now. So um, I've been there. I've I've been able to reflect on things. I've had good. I've had bad. And the one thing that I've learned is, you know, if you get third be happy because it might be your last ever podium ever. You don't know what's coming, you know, but as a racer, like I was racing world championship, I got, I got a podium and I was just like, man, next week I'm going home. I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to win. I'm like, you know, so I didn't get to enjoy that day Mm because all I was focused on was performing and and doing better. Well, that was my only podium. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like it's so for me, winning the championship was insane like i really got to enjoy that um you know reflect on it that i've worked for years to achieve this yeah. um whereas if you gave me that five years ago you know it would have just been like oh yeah sweet and then on, on to the next one yeah i gotta back it up i gotta win five i want to win 10 of these things yeah <laughs> what's the so, feeling like, what's the feeling like now have you have you been surprised with um what your mentality is around it now like is is after you've got that taste of winning one now is it now like i i I want another one are you pretty kind of i wouldn't i don't know content is the right word but are you kind of just happy that you've got one under the belt now and then whatever happens happens or is it kind of made that motivation to win another one even stronger than what it was before yeah stronger it's because it's what comes with you know winning the championship isn't the thing but it's the you know, having the number one on your bike, mm. it's, you know, what comes with it. And you don't want to let that go. Yeah. Like that's, that's probably the biggest thing. And it's hard to go into each race now because you want to win, you know, but yeah. a championship isn't one in one race, it, yeah. you know, but you can lose the thing in one race. So you got to kind of keep a level head. And when, when you feel good, you go for it. And, um, a championships it's tough and ours is is tricky now like on the weekend um you know we had young regan duffy win um and he's you know he's the young gun so that's exciting um and that's where we see and i've been there a million times where you know you've i was in his position and then you're racing older dudes with experience um so i'm excited to to flip that coin and be the older dude and yeah. go on against the young kid and um, I think it's going to be an exciting championship for us. How many rounds is it um, for the championship here? So we got 10 rounds. 10 rounds and, and that finishes up in what month? How, like, over how many months? Uh, August. August. Okay, we cool. Finish up, yeah. Now, okay, so that's, that's all well and good, but tell us about the off-road championship because this is, I reckon this is insane, um, which is all, like, a great thing, um, but, but crazy. So you're not only racing uh, the nationals like the MX1 here, but you're doing off-road um, championship as well with Husqvarna. Um, for those who are listening, what's the difference between the two? How much more of a demand is that going to put on you? And do you think it's going to have um, a positive or, or negative effect on the MX1 um, title chase? Yeah, so it's um, it's interesting because you've got... So from a company like KDM, you have your motocross guy and then you have your enduro guy. 
Um, so the difference being is we race around a, you know, around a track that's, you know, two minutes long with jumps and crowd around it. Enduro guys, they have all different formats and it goes through the bush. So they, their laps can be like 30 minutes long. Um, yeah. You know, they can race for up to six hours. Um, so it's completely different. Still riding a dirt bike, but for me, it's like you've got Daniel Milner, he's your off-road guy. And then, you you know, you got Regan, who's the KDM motocross guy. And I was like, well, I just want to be both. You know, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> how cool would that be? Yeah. Like, and, um, and that's, yeah, it's interesting. What you've done. Yeah, like KDM have exactly that. They've got yeah. their motocross guy and their off-road guy. And then Husqvarna have got me for both, which you know, doing like your photo shoots and video shoots and stuff. It's, it's kind of cool. Cause you see all the other brands with their guys Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then I'm just doing both. So the workload is double. That's what it is. Cause we got 12 rounds of off-road and 10 rounds of motocross. Um, yeah. They slot in between. So no, I'm assuming obviously none of those clash. No, no. So there is one weekend in Queensland where I'll ride six hours on on the Friday of off-road, six hours on the Saturday of off-road, and then Sunday we've got our motocross round. Yeah. So big weekend. Um, you know, it's it's achievable. Like I can handle that. But the only issue is, is when I turn up on Sunday and race motocross, those guys haven't been on the bike. They're, yeah. they're fresh as. You've been on and it I've 12, hours. 12 hours. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. obviously, supplementation, nutrition, that's going to play such a huge role massive, around weekends massive. like that. But not even only that weekend, all the other ones as well, when you've got guys that are just out practicing and you're out racing for yep. six hours. Yeah, that's right. Um, the cool thing, like you mentioned before, like the positive with it is it keeps me young. Like, you know, I feel like I'm 16 again. I'm going to these off-roads and I've never raced them before. So I'm going there you're and I'm like... on the block yeah so what's the format like how's this work and like so you'll tell me riding for six hours like with a bum yeah. bag on and yeah. you know like, <laughs> it's all new um whereas motocross i've been doing it for 15 years like there ain't nothing new it's yeah um, I, I keep i guess it kind of keeps that refreshing as well being able to turn up yeah. to a motocross track and not having spent the previous you know two weeks thinking about that race you've had your mind yeah. on things and you can rock up and and enjoy it probably essentially enjoy it a bit more um yeah definitely what, how are how are Husqvarna with that were they like did you approach them and ask if that was like if if you can do it and they just kind of had to think about yeah. it or what was what was the go there how'd that come about yeah they weren't super stoked about it um you know because they want you to really focus on your yeah. discipline but you know they allowed it um it's good press it's mm. uh you know we just gotta make it happen mm. um and why not like yeah, exactly it's kind of I think it's great. Um, like I said, it, it's really exciting for me. The benefits with the motocross is, you know, off-road, it's fast. Like, you know, sometimes you're wide open, might be doing, you know, 150 kilometers an hour through a paddock, um, yeah. you know, with trees either side of you. And like, it's, it's different yeah. opposed to us where it's very controlled. It's the tracks are ripped and warden prepared. And like, you know, it's, so it should help me, you know, be able to adapt to difficult situations a bit better um, on the motocross. So, yeah, yeah I, I can't see it as a negative. 
hundred percent. Well, mate, all the, all the best with the year ahead. And before we before we wrap things up, what's um, what have you have you got anything in mind for kind of post career? I mean, obviously you're not thinking about slowing down anytime soon, but is there anything that you're kind of working on or or anything that you've kind of noticed that you enjoyed over the years that's not on the motorbike that you'd like to pursue post post racing? Yeah, so there's um, the COVID thing was a really interesting time for me. It was uh, in March last year. So around this time last year, I lost my job straight up, no income anymore. Yeah. So then obviously we got on the job keeper thing and I just went, man, never in my life is the government going to pay me to make a business. So that's what I did. I just started, you know, making some businesses and um, we started with a, a training diary and then I was actually talking with Jarra and he does, uh, he's built supplements, you know, around, around myself over the years with um, different bits and pieces I have problems with. So he's helped me out with that. And we went, Oh, let's make a protein bar. So I started a, um, started my brand up just like T-Dub, which is uh, you know, TW. Um, and that was like a bit of a fan thing. And then people kept asking, what's T-Dub? What's T-Dub? And I was like, Oh, no one knows what it even stands for. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's not like I'm starting a brand like Dick Smith do or anything can use their name. Exactly. So yeah, I just started that. And so Jared and I did a protein bar because um, I was doing heaps of cycles and wanted something to eat while I was cycling. Yeah. So ventured off in that direction. Then I was running T-Dub coaching clinics yeah. um, and that's blown up. So that's right. motorbike coaching. Yeah. Um, so that went through the roof and then, you know, I had a mechanic there. I had, I'm sponsored by snap on tools and yeah. got a fully equipped garage there. So I went, oh, I'll start up a workshop. So performance workshop. So I got on the tools and, um, in that time and started doing a T-Dub garage yeah, awesome. that, that really ramped up. Um, and then there was a time, you know, all the sponsors pull out and stuff and I went, I'm going to make my own riding gear. Like how, like how hard can it be? So I started sourcing, Inside. you know, gear companies, um, yep. went to Pakistan, you know, went to China, went to all these places, got samples, um, dealt with the factories direct, got that happening. And then, yeah, long story short, worked on that for eight months and on the weekend, um, you know, we've got TV now. Um, so we're on SBS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Fox and cool. Yeah, and launch my my own riding gear brand. So I've uh, I've been wearing my own riding gear. And is that something that you're just wearing? Are you selling that like e-commerce? Like, is it can people purchase the gear as well, or is it just for you on race day? Um, no. So I've got I've started a little junior team as well. Cool. So I'm helping out some kids. So they wear my gear. Um, I've got about ten guys that I'm sponsoring. Fantastic. So they got my gear, and then mid year, so I'm still doing samples, and I want it to be the best. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm refining it and then it'll be for sale mid-year, hopefully. Awesome. So we'll, we've got we'll a website. All, we'll have all the links to any of your socials and website and stuff below anyway. So anyone that kind of yeah, cool. can check it out. My partner, Danielle and I, we just launched uh, an activewear label uh, cool. two weeks ago today. Um, so I know, I know the feeling like of sampling. Yeah. We kind of spent 12 months going back and forth and getting yep. set up and receiving some horrible samples and some that you like yeah. miscommunications and all this type of stuff. So it's exciting though. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And the coolest part for me, I've obviously done millions of photo shoots and stuff like that, but to have 
our junior guys, like, you know, they don't really get this stuff till you turn pro. Yeah. So I've got all the kids, I've got them in the gear and stuff. And, you know, from ages from like five all the way up to 15 and I've organized a video photo shoot and to see him out there riding with the gear on, I just, I've never had a feeling like that before. I was tripping out. I was just like, this is actually happening. Like, this is a yeah. crazy thing. And it just started from me. I just, I learned the InDesign program. Um, yeah. So I just got on the Adobe, did heaps of YouTube tutorials. Yeah. And um, yeah, just spent time, man, like Jilly was saying, she's like, oh, you got to do a video and have something. Cause I was up at like four in the morning talking to guys in Pakistan. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's just, yeah, cool. it's been a hell of a journey. It's cool. Mate, you never know. You might start to see a few more riders go down the same path once they start to see all your stuff and yeah, creating their own their own gear. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's cool. Mate, thanks so much for your time today. Um, really appreciate it. I've I've really enjoyed the chat. So yeah, thanks again, and good luck for the rest of the year, man. Awesome. Thanks heaps, Dan. Pleasure, guys. Whoever's tuned into today's episode, make sure you take a screenshot of this one, chuck it up on Instagram story, tag myself and tag Toddle. Have his Instagram. Um, handling the show notes we'd love to hear your feedback but again mate good luck for the rest of the year and um and hopefully be uh chatting to you again at the end of the year with another championship under your belt maybe two yeah. two different yeah uh, categories let's, let's see, let's see, <laughs> let's see